0: Hello and welcome back to Battle Plan, a podcast focused on spiritual warfare. I'm Steve Hempel, and Battle Plan is an ongoing discussion of how we put our faith into action. Our website is active-faith.org. My email is stevehempel1 at me.com. I'd love to hear some questions from you. I like to cover questions in my live seminars. Um, so send me a question in the arena of spiritual warfare if you'd like. Steve Hempel one at me.com. In our last episode, we uh continued a series on uh, prayer and Jesus' blood, and that time we talked about Jesus' blood on the ground. Today, we're going to go a little further with that and talk about Jesus' blood, our prayer and Jesus' blood on his face and cheeks. The second and Third of seven places that Jesus shed blood was on his face and on his cheeks. This symbolizes that the blood of Jesus has the power to overcome slander and shame. You know, God's glory was in his face. This uh, is the Second Corinthians 4, verse 6. And LT says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Our face is also our glory. It's the first thing people see about us. It it represents our self-image, our self-worth. And so an attack on our face is basically a symbol of a slanderous attack on our image or our character. In Matthew 26, Jesus uh, was taken in front of the high priest who demanded to know if he was the son of God. This is Matthew 26, 62 and 63 NLT. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you're the Messiah, the son of God. Now, Jesus responded in the very next verse, confirming that he was, even admitting that he was destined for the place of power right next to God on his right hand. This is verse 64 of Matthew 26, NLT. Jesus replied, you have said it. And in the future, you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, this infuriated the high priest, and he slandered Jesus as being blasphemous. Um, Verse 65, the next verse says, Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy, why do we need any other witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. This is when they beat Jesus in the face with fists, which cannot help but bring blood. Verse 67 NASB says, then they spit in his face and beat him with their fists and others slapped him. You know, slander crushes our spirit. But remember that God restores a crushed spirit because Jesus' blood was shed to cover the slander you have experienced. Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen NLT says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. So keep in mind that the curse of slander is temporary and that Satan is destined for the lake of fire. Revelation 20 verse 10. At this point, it's it's probably important to note that there are two main categories of prophecies in the Bible, prophecies about the first coming of Jesus and prophecies about the second coming and eternity with God. I have a whole chapter about this in my book about heaven called My Search for the Real Heaven. And as I was researching the scriptures to write that book, I realized that if I could figure out what percentage of the first coming prophecies were literal versus symbolic, then I would get an idea of how many of the second coming prophecies were literal that had to do with eternity, and heaven with God. And this was relevant considering that many of the second coming prophecies give details about heaven. So I spent about six months researching this and was shocked to discover that all of the first coming prophecies are literal. In fact, that's how we confirm Jesus as the promised Messiah. He was literally born of a virgin, betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver, had his hands and feet pierced for our transgressions, and buried in a rich man's tomb. They didn't break any of his bones. He rose in three days. The list could go on and on, as you can easily see. However, it's important to note these symbols are also part of the story, like lead is a lamb to slaughter. The symbol of the lamb is good to remember. It doesn't take away from the fact that Jesus was literally slaughtered. His blood literally wet the sand on Calvary. This was a big surprise to me and made me ask if 100% of the first coming prophecies are literal, what if the second coming prophecies are also all literal? With this thought in mind, I reread the Bible and found many confusing passages about heaven and eternity to make much more sense. Isaiah 50 is one of these prophetic passages about Jesus. And with this thought process as a backdrop, notice what it says about his beard. This is Isaiah 50 verse 6 amplified. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to those who plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Since we know he gave his back willingly uh, to those who beat him with whips, so we know this speaks of Jesus. We can also rest assured this verse in Isaiah they pulled out part of his beard at some point during this abuse and attack he was experiencing. He suffered much leading up to his death on the cross, and they literally ripped his hair from his cheeks. This is a very shameful thing to happen to a Jewish man. There's an Old Testament example of of how they felt about this among David's men uh, when they were shamed having partially uh, shaved beards. This comes from 2 Samuel 10, 4 and 5. So Han Seized David's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. When David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay in Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. Shame is one of the ways Satan attacks us. So understanding that Jesus took our shame away, removing the curse of shame for our past sins is vital to the topic of spiritual warfare and spiritual weapons that we have at our disposal. Colossians 2, 14 and 15 NLT says he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So keep in mind that the blood Jesus shed from his face during his beating and from his cheeks also when they plucked out his beard is symbolic of the curses of slander and shame. And that Satan's slander against us is temporary and the shame of our pre-Christian life no longer has power over us. Rest in these biblical realities in your daily walk. So in light of today's thoughts, let me suggest part of your personal battle plan might be to live without shame or slander because Jesus removed it. Satan wants to remind you of what you did wrong in the past because it'll make you live in shame and slander. But when God forgave you, he forgot your sin. He remembers your sin no more, putting it as far away from you as the east is from the west. So if you're being reminded of your past sins, it's not God. It's the enemy because God doesn't even remember those sins. Maybe you could pray like this. Lord, deliver me from shame and slander from my past sins. Remind me that you forgot them, and so should I. I don't want the past to hinder my attitude and kingdom effectiveness in my present. In Jesus' name. See you next time on Battle Plan. We're going to talk about prayer and Jesus' blood on his back. And let me remind you to keep praying, because prayer works. God loves you, and I love you. Have a great day.